Acts chapter 1 in the Word of God. Let's stand together for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God and prayer for the message tonight. Good to hear the sweet uh, testimonies of the saints. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which He was taken up. After that, He through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel, to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is upon you, that you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and, utter, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they stood steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, when they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Father, Lord, we thank you again, Lord, for this wonderful service we've already had. Lord, the testimonies of the saints. God, I pray that you would take this message, allow us to apply it to our heart, Lord, to where we may learn more about thee. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart. And Lord, if there's one here lost and undone, doesn't know you from the free pardon of sin, God, we pray that you would save their soul before it's too late. And Lord, we'll surely give you glory and praise for what you do. And say thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 We come now to the very last scene in the earthly life of Jesus Christ. His ascension. He told his disciples that he would go back to the Father, and we read about him doing just that. I want us to look tonight at some things that happened before his ascension, some truths that were revealed during his ascension, and some thrills that took place after his ascension, and see what they actually mean to us today. Before Jesus went back to heaven, he infallibly proved that he had been risen from the dead. Amen. I want you to note three places, just three places where Jesus proved his power over death and showed himself alive. 
You can see the proof of that resurrection in verse number 3 in which we've read. He says, to whom also he showed himself alive. After his passion. In other words, after the cross. By many infallible proofs of being seen of them forty days. And speaking of things that pertaineth to the kingdom of God. Let me take you to three other places in the word of God to where we can see that he defeated death. That he did resurrect from the grave. First of all, I want you to see the resurrected saints or the open graves. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 52 and 53, the Bible says this. Now listen very closely. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. And went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now just think, uh, the stone has already been rolled away. Jesus has already resurrected himself from the grave. And here we read that many other graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And they came out of the graves after His resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Don't make that scripture more difficult than what it is. They're talking about the Old Testament saints. You see, when the Old Testament saints, uh, they didn't have salvation through the blood of Christ. At this particular time and during the, the Old Testament books of when you, the people believed in God and that they got their uh, sins forgiven, they would have to go to the priest. And they would go to the priest and the, the priest would offer up a sacrifice and their sins would be forgiven and those saints were buried, their bodies were buried. And their souls went to what we've come to know as the paradise side of hell. A place of uh, uh, of holding of some sort, uh, I guess, in the center of the earth, as the Bible teaches. And but after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you see, He went and conquered death, hell, and the grave on those three days. Amen. And after He had resurrected, those Old Testament saints began to come out of the ground, and the Bible says they went to the holy city. And uh, that is proof there in itself that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, did resurrect and was walking again in this period in which we are speaking about. Those resurrected saints uh, uh, came up and, and, and and was taken on up into the glory world. You see, it took Jesus Christ going down to that place and releasing them to where they could come out and go to that place called heaven. They were in that place that the Bible speaks about paradise. Uh, But they, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, He left and He went to prepare a place for you and I. And uh, that place is called heaven. And I, I, I strongly believe that city is just about complete. If it's not complete already. And why I'm saying that is this. We serve a long suffering God. We serve a God that wants everybody to go. To that place called heaven. Amen. Uh, I hope that you're saved this tonight. I hope that you're on your way to heaven uh, tonight. Because I don't want to leave anybody here. Let's take everybody with us. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, because one day He is going to split the eastern skies and return and there will be another resurrection. Yeah. Those uh, that are uh, buried and saved in Christ are going to come out of the ground. Yeah. And we're going to rise up together to meet the Lord in the air. But also not only the resurrected saints, but you see the revived saints uh, there on the Emmaus Road in Luke chapter 24 verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while He walked with us by the way and while He opened to us the Scriptures? You see, as Christ was walking down the Emmaus Road, those boys didn't even know that He was the resurrected Savior. They were telling Christ Himself about what happened back at Calvary. They've took our Lord. They've killed. They were talking to the resurrection. And then boys, after their eyes were opened, they said, Man, are you telling me that our hearts didn't even burn when He was talking to us? And He was explaining to us the Scriptures? You know what? Those boys had a case. The very first case of Holy Ghost heartburn. The Bible says their heart did not burn. Why didn't their heart burn? They were talking. They were walking with the Savior. But their eyes were blinded. That was after the resurrection. Did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us by the way and while He opened to us the Scriptures? But boy, they, all of a sudden their eyes got opened. Amen. But you see the rejoicing saints in the upper room after the resurrection of, of the Savior. He didn't want to leave them scattered abroad and afraid. So he had to go back and, and, and meet with them one more time. And he had to go back, I believe. And, and you know, because you may ask yourself, uh, oh, why did he not just stay here? Yeah. Why did he ascend back up to the Father? Well, he didn't want to leave them scattered to begin with. And Mary was weeping. And I sure he wanted to go and dry the eyes of Mary and have a little talk with her. To let her know that he was alive and well. And then there was doubting Thomas in the upper room. Thomas did not believe what had been told to him. I don't believe that he is resurrected from the dead. And then all of a sudden the Bible says there was a great mighty rushing wind. And all of a sudden, poof, Jesus appeared in the room. Quite personally, I think he just walked through the walls. Amen. I don't think he had to use the door. Amen. And then Thomas, uh, uh, he's, he was looking at him. He said, now nah, listen, now, if you're the Christ, <laughs> I just, Thomas was just doubting. He said, I just don't believe it all. I just don't believe it. But when Jesus walked in and Thomas seen the nail scars in his hands and he seen the scars in his side, Thomas was like, Lord, my God, yeah. my God. He knew that that was the Savior. He didn't want to leave them behind and scattered and confused, you see. And then you got to, uh, Peter who all of a sudden as Jesus was taken away uh, uh, to go up to Calvary, uh, Peter was down there denying that he even knew Christ. Yeah. He was just completely uh, denying that he knew Him. And they asked him three different times, Hey, aren't you the one that was with the Christ? Aren't you the one that was with Jesus? Pretty much. So Peter was like, Nope, wasn't me. Wasn't me. 
He had to come back to uh, uh, out of the grave and, and speak to them and straighten a few things out first, I believe, yeah. because he had to let Peter know that failure is not final. Peter failed God. Yeah. Well, guess what? Haven't we all? Amen. We've all failed him, brother, haven't we? But he wanted to come and let Peter know that his failure wasn't final. That there was still a way that he still loved him. That he didn't, uh, that he didn't hate him because he uh, actually uh, uh, denied him. But he wanted to show him that he did love him and that uh, his failures was not final. This gives us proof of that resurrection. And Jesus, before he went home, uh, to, uh, he had to give his servants his, his last will or his plan for their lives. And then I see in verse 3 through 8 in which we see the, the preparation of his redeemed. Verse number 4. Look at verse number 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not part from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he, Ye have heard of me. He collected them together right there in that verse, and he also commanded them. But in verse number 8, he commissioned them. He said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, he was saying, all right, boys, listen up. You're going to receive power from another world. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost and He's going to come and abide with you and you're going to be able to accomplish great things while I'm gone. He's getting prepared for this ascension by preparing His redeemed. These folks were waiting on His power. They were witness of His person as He told them these things. But they were beginning to work for His plan. In His ascension... We have a great picture here of His royalty. What do you mean, preacher, by a picture of His royalty? Look at verse number 9 and number 10. And when He had spoken these things which they beheld, He was taken up and a cloud received Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as He went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. You see, there was a robin of the grave. No one from Adam to John the Baptist had ever gotten up from the grave by his own power. But there's one that did. After that was the Lord Jesus Christ. The grave had been very successful of holding its victims, but death could not hold our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Other kings have lived and they have died. They are still in their graves and death still remains hold of them. But thanks be unto God, King Jesus continues to live today. The graves have been robbed and His tomb is empty today. Thank God He's sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I as He ascended back up into the heavens. His grave was robbed. Amen. Listen, there are kings that are still in the grave. 
There are queens that are in the grave. There are presidents of great countries that are in the grave. There are great religious leaders and prophets of some sort. They call themselves in the grave. But thanks be unto God, there's one that's not in the grave. He got up on the third day. He walked some 40 days here on this earth. And then he ascended back to the Father to be with Him. He did ascend. He did go back to be with His Father. You see, there was not only a robbing of His grave, there was a reversal of gravity. You know what gravity is? That's that source that, uh, from the earth that keeps our feet on the ground. Well, when Jesus came out, all them Old Testament saints, they lost their gravity as well. They lost their gravity and they went sailing through the air according to the Word of God. And there's coming a day that which you and I are going to lose our gravity. Yeah. There's going to be a reversal of it. Amen. And we're going to go sailing uh, uh, through the air uh, just like those Old Testament saints, uh, just like the Lord Jesus as He got upon that cloud uh, and, uh, and ascended up to the Father. Then I see the reception and the glory, that great cloud. If you'll notice in the Old Testament... How were the children of Israel guided? They were guided in the day by a cloud. They were guided at night by a pillar of fire. And the, the Lord Jesus was received up into a cloud. It's amazing how God can use something just like that as transportation. Amen. Amen. The company that He had with Him was the Old Testament saints, but the course was back to the Father. And I often wondered, why didn't He just stay after the resurrection? Why didn't He just uh, uh, roam around a little more and do some more great things uh, after the resurrection? Why just 40 days? The Bible teaches us the purpose of His rapture, the Lord Jesus Christ, the purpose of His ascension, number one, was to send the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you, Jesus said, that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send Him unto you. The Holy Spirit of God that that got in our service this morning and and got all over Ronnie, that's why the Lord left here. That's why Jesus Christ ascended back to the Father where the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, could come not only to, uh, to breathe upon us during worship, but also to hold us and love us in times of need when we need comforted. Amen. Our Lord will comfort you, uh, my friend, better than any husband, wife, brother, or sister will ever comfort you. The Bible says He will stick closer than a brother and I've always found that to be true. He's never failed me not one time. And to hear your testimonies tonight, He's never failed you, thank God. He's never failed you. The purpose of His rapture is to send the Holy Spirit, but it's also to sit down at the Father's right hand. And you know what that shows? It shows that His personal earthly ministry of Him walking on this earth was completed. That's why he went back into sit with the Father. 
that shows his work completed. And David prophesied it in Psalm chapter 110 and verse number 1. He said, The Lord said unto, unto my Lord, sit thou, at thy right, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. But not only that, not only did he go to sit down at the Father's right hand, but he went to secure our standing with the Father. What do you mean secure our standing with the Father? Well, when we pray, the reason that we pray in Jesus' name is because that's how we communicate with the Father. He is our lawyer, our advocate. And when we go to God in prayer... We must go through Jesus Christ. He is the one that uh, goes and takes them to the Father. And says, uh, Father, I died for Harold Perry. Harold Perry's got a need and he's praying unto you, Lord. And he prayed in my name. I believe this is how it takes place. He said, he'll say, I died for that crowd. I died for Harold Perry. And Father, we need to assure that this prayer request is answered. And aren't you glad that he does answer prayer? He doesn't leave you just uh, hanging or or stranded out uh, on a limb. He answers those prayers. Now, a lot of times we might not like the way he answers them. But he's going to answer them in one of three ways. He's going to say, yes, no, or just wait. The just wait when we give have hard times dealing with. Because we figure that God has already told us no. But a lot of times that's not the situation. He says, just wait. In other words, be patient. You can continue to pray. That's fine. But be patient. I've got a plan in your life. And folks, when we're patient, when we're praying unto God, God honors it. And uh, those prayers begin to be answered. And folks, I'm telling you, I thank God even for those prayers when He said no. In other words, those songs says, thank God for unanswered prayers. They didn't go unanswered. He just said no. I can remember some times in my life that I'm glad that the Lord did not answer that prayer the way I wanted it to be answered. Because He kept me out of a mess. He kept me out of trouble. But that that's the purpose of His rapture was to send the Holy Spirit uh, to sit down at the right hand of the Father to show that His work is completed and to secure our standing with the Father. But oh boy, look at here. We got the promise of His returning. I see the person. They said, this same Jesus. In other words, that same Jesus that healed the blinded eyes. That same Jesus that came out of the grave after three days in the center of this earth. That same Jesus that walked and met those men on the road to Emmaus. This same Jesus that took the nails into His hands and into His feet. This same Jesus in which they plucked His beard out and they spit upon Him. The same Jesus that was born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. The same Jesus that was walking on the water with Peter. 
This same Jesus that performed miracles after miracles and He would touch the coffin of the dead and they would get up. This same Jesus that stood in front of Lazarus's grave and told Lazarus to come forth and Lazarus got up and walked again. This same Jesus that saved my soul, January 3 of 93. The same Jesus that saved you. The same Jesus that answers our prayers. They said, this same Jesus that's leaving here on that cloud. That's the person. But the prediction was this. Shall come again. He didn't say, brother, that he might come again. He said he shall come again. And not only was that predicted, but look in the pattern that it was going to be done. They said the person, the same Jesus, the prediction shall so come, the pattern in like manner. In other words, when that cloud dropped down from the sky, Jesus stepped upon that cloud and took him out of here, ascended to be back with the Father. They said, hey boys, there's no need to be weeping because that same Jesus that just left here one day is going to return in the same manner. He's going to step on a cloud and He's going to descend from the heavens. Thanks be unto God, if I'm alive and well that day, I'm just going to lose my gravitational pull and I'm going to go sailing through the air to be with my Lord. Folks, He said it to be true. Amen. That's why the ascension is so important. We're told how Jesus is going to come back. You can read in Thessalonians in, uh, chapter 4 verse 17 about how He's going to return. He's going to step on that cloud. And the Bible said, Damon, that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. See, there's going to be another resurrection. Not the Old Testament saints this time. They're already gone. But it's going to be those that have done passed on before us. That are saved in the Lord. Amen. And the grave is going to let them loose. And they're going to go sailing through the air. And those that remain that are saved are going to be caught up together with them in the air. That's going to be a glorious day. Amen. You know what I believe makes it even more glorious? We're living in the day and age that we could actually... See it happen. What do you mean, preacher? I mean, I believe I've got an opportunity to cheat the grave. Look, when my soul leaves this body, damn it, they lay me down there at Floyd's, put me in the coffin and rolled me down the aisle, put me six to eight feet under the dirt. I'm not going to know it. But I will know when he steps on that cloud and calls my name. (laughs) When he steps out on the cloud and returns for his children, I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt uh, that grave's not going to be able to hold me. I'm going to be coming up out of the ground. And boy, if there's anybody standing mourning over my grave uh, trying to put flowers on the tombstone, they better look out because I'm leaving first. Amen. Uh, I got first dibs. I had to experience the grave. That means I got first dibs out of here. Amen. We might knock you over coming out of there with that tombstone. But don't worry, honey. If I go before you do and it knocks you over, just hold on. Buckle your seatbelt. You're coming right behind me. Amen. I'll see you in the air. Amen. The ascension of Christ.
It's amazing to walk down through his steps of life as we've done. We've seen his miraculous birth. We looked at his childhood. We preached on his disciples. We preached on his miracles. We preached on his death, his burial, his resurrection. And now tonight we close the series out with his ascension. And folks, I'm telling you today, I believe every word that's said in the Word of God about the life of our Lord. Amen. Matter of fact, I believe every, every word in the book. From the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, I believe it's truth tonight. Amen. I believe it's true. Yeah. He ascended back to the Father to where the Comforter may come. To where he can sit at his right hand to show that his work is complete. And to where he can make intercession for you and for me. Amen. Does he need to make intercession for you tonight? Listen, if you've got a need, we need to ask the Lord to meet that need. Amen. If we've got a need of, of any sort, we can go and call upon the name of Jesus. He'll go to the Father on your behalf and meet that need. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Yeah. We're preaching on a series of faith. I told you grace the other night, brother, but it's actually faith. And there's 11 of those. We're teaching in the men's class on faith. And you know, it's okay to pray that God would provide you an automobile because yours is torn up and you need good transportation. And God provides the money for you to get another automobile. That's great. But how much more greater is it when the Lord provides that automobile sitting in your driveway and He didn't provide the funds for it, but He provided the automobile itself. Amen. What about that? Yeah. Amen. Brother Joe was in there and he gave a testimony this morning. He said, Preacher, our refrigerator died. And he gave the day of it. And he said, we really didn't have the money to go buy a new refrigerator. And he said, we got to praying. And we started thinking about, we'll just maybe try to go buy a used one to, to get us by. And then he said, it wasn't but a day or two after praying that he talked to a friend of his. And his friend said, hey, I've got a refrigerator. You know anybody needs one? Joe said, yeah, I need one. Mine's, mine's just quit. And he said, it wasn't no junky refrigerator. He said, that thing looked brand new. And he said the man gave it to him. <laughs> he said the man gave him the refrigerator. Amen. He said God didn't provide the funds to buy me a refrigerator. He said God gave me a refrigerator. Amen. And I, was, I read them a story about a, about a preacher that uh, had, uh, any time he needed a car, he prayed that he needed a car. And the Lord would provide a car. He said when the Lord provided him a car, they provided the vehicle, the insurance, and the taxes on it. Yeah. 11 out of 12 vehicles, what the story said, that the Lord himself just provided for that preacher. And then uh, he said, I thought I was going to be smart and go ahead and provide one for my own. He said, I went out and bought me a Mercury. I forgot what it was, but he said he bought him a Mercury. Had to have been a Ford. I told you, boys, it was a Ford. 
He said he'd done, after he got that car, he put $2,500 in it just to keep it running. He said the rear end was gone in it. He, he, just all kind of problems. Water pump, I believe, was one. Maybe the starter went out on it. He said the hood was so long on that car that they could have landed a 747 on it. And he said, finally, he pulled up into the church one day and that car that he was paying for, making payments on, just died. He said that car went on to the lemon world beyond. He said he got one. He actually said he wished that car had went to hell because that's where it needed to be. It gave him so much trouble. That car quit and he had two more years of payments on it. And his point was this. Why should I sit around and worry about God providing the money to do something when I can just depend on God to provide the thing. Amen. Provide the item. Yeah. And that just stuck with me. And it just stuck in my mind, that story. And he said, that's just miracle faith. Yeah. Miracle faith. So if you've got a need tonight, maybe you ought to have a little bit of miracle faith and believe that the Lord can provide it. And He will. Amen. I want you to stand as they come get us an invitation. If you've got a need tonight, we'll surely be glad to pray with you. God can provide needs. Amen. Amen. Our Father in heaven.